listeners, thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of Gateways. If you haven't heard our Opportunity Zones episode, I recommend you go back and listen to that one first. That episode, featuring Elijah Plymesser and Karen Kelleher, provides a comprehensive look at how Opportunity Zones work and also the ways in which they're failing. On this episode, we've got sound bites from people familiar with Opportunity Zones in our gateway cities. First up is Joe Kreisberg of the Massachusetts Association of Community Development Corporations. Uh, we're talking about uh, kind of what's going on right now in Massachusetts around Opportunity Zones, and Joe has some comments he'd like to share. Joe? Well, I think this is a pro- program that has a lot of problems with it, honestly, and I come at the conversation from that standpoint. Um, I think the fact that 75% of our low-income communities are ineligible is a problem. I think the fact that there's no oversight or monitoring is a problem. And I think this is largely going to help a few people get richer and not necessarily help a lot of communities. That being said, those of us who work in the communities uh, need to be prepared for this. And I think what LISC and others are doing to help communities plan, find out what the community priorities are, develop a prospectus or a pipeline of projects, makes a lot of sense so that the community drives the development. Uh, the, the last thing we want are investors, often from other places far away, deciding what gets built in our communities. And if we've made a decision about what we want to have built and investors can help us get it done, well, great. But if they can't, then forget them, in my opinion. Okay. Well, what could the federal government be doing to kind of uh, kind of improve uh, this incentive, as Elijah Plymesser from uh, Locus uh, Developers likes to say? Uh, how can they kind of improve this uh, incentive so that it actually works better for those uh, communities that have been left out? Well, I think it would be tough to improve. I think it needs a wholesale rewrite. But that being said, I would encourage Congressman Neal, as chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, to hold oversight hearings, bring folks in. I mean, the first place we have to start is what is happening around the country. Let's get those facts. Let's get that information. And then we can look at whether or not some legislative tweaks would help or if some third-party oversight could help. Um, Clearly, we need to have better metrics for what's going on, better monitoring and evaluation and transparency at a minimum. Um, and I would rather see dollars redirected to those more effective programs. Yeah. You had talked about uh, make, uh, instead of incentivizing or subsidizing the uh, uh, investors to actually subsidize and invest in uh, the uh, borrowers. Um, but what do you think is something that Massachusetts could do, kind of given all the different tools that are available? How can, they, uh, how can the state actually uh, integrate uh, this program, uh, or sorry, this incentive, this Opportunity Zones incentive, with uh, existing Massachusetts programs? Well, well, the program's there, and people can use it if it makes sense and not if it doesn't. So I, I would encourage the state and local communities to keep doing what you've always been doing. Do good planning, community engagement, and, and build things that are going to support local economic growth. And not let this become a distraction. Don't reorient your work because of this program. Stay focused on what you want for your community. And, um, and the investors will either come or they won't, but you need to stay focused on your own priorities. So now I'm with uh, Steve Teasdale, who is the Executive Director of the uh, Maine South Community Development Corporation in Worcester, who's going to tell us about an exciting way in which they're leveraging Opportunity Zones in order to help revitalize the Maine South neighborhood. Steve, can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing? Certainly. Well, we're actually working uh, 
at a commercial corridor revitalization effort and we're working in partnership with Mass Development and the City of Worcester. And the area that we're targeting is one of the more uh, challenged stretches of the corridor that runs through our neighborhood. Uh, and uh, it's sort of characterized by some lighted vacant lots and run-down storefronts. But it's an area that is really pretty active with uh, a solid group of merchants who've been there for a long time. So what we're trying to do is uh, look at investment that can create economic stakeholders in that neighborhood and give people who live there and work there already economic opportunity rather than provide investment opportunity and returns for outsiders. So, you know, the, the, the balance that we're trying to find with combining mass development resources and this uh, incentive resource of opportunities on funding is how do we ensure that the impacts of that investment are beneficial to the community and not detrimental to the community that at the end of the uh, tax pe period and the gain period uh, that there simply isn't an inflationary index added to these properties and the return that comes out of them makes them unaffordable for people who are there. Yeah, and we really want to make sure we stop displacement, which is a huge concern in our gateway cities whenever development comes in. It is. Displacement, you know, is a huge concern, and it's, it's, it's always the most vulnerable economically who are the ones who are displaced. So in the same way that we've created home ownership opportunities and seen neighborhoods turn around when people have an economic stake in that area, we're looking to create commercial opportunities where the business owners have an economic stake. They don't just have tenancy at will agreements that are subject to the next guy buying the building and pushing the rent up. So, so that's, that's the goal and how can we uh, work to find ways with uh, social impact investing funds that we can get money at a rate that is valuable uh, to combine with other programs because right now uh, it's not, that's, yeah. that's the candid assessment of it. So I'm here with Rob Corley from uh, NeighborWorks Housing Solutions, who is going to tell us a little bit more about um, how he sees uh, Opportunity Zones uh, working, because he's working with Opportunity Zones in Brockton currently. Um, and as an affordable housing developer, it's interesting that he's actually doing a lot of market rate housing with Opportunity Zones. Rob, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, so in, in downtown Brockton, uh, there are a few Opportunity Zones, and Brockton is experiencing a renaissance these days with a lot of new development, very exciting market rate development. Yeah. Uh, and as a primarily a affordable housing developer, uh, the Opportunity Zone structure or product doesn't really work for affordable housing development. It's not structured that way. Yeah. So it entices market rate development primarily. Okay. One of the concerns about Opportunity Zones is at some point if the market gets too hot and there's overinvestment, uh, gentrification can, see, can start to be an issue. And small businesses who were those pioneers that were opening up and we're there when things weren't always as hot, um, get priced out of the market. And those little boutique type small businesses that everybody likes to see no longer can operate in these spaces. So how do you come up with a balance between a hot market, which you want, because it's long overdue, but at the same time, not uh, the unintended consequences of that are pricing out some of the smaller businesses and or residents uh, that make Brockton such a great city. So that balance is really a struggle. 
Yeah. Well, as we think about equitable transit-oriented development, we want to make sure that we're not displacing existing businesses and residents, but also make sure that we're doing the kind of revitalization needed to attract more businesses and more residents, and to also attract in our gateway cities market rate housing so that we have a more diverse uh, community in terms of income mix, in terms of uh, socioeconomic status. What are some things that uh, some of our gateway cities could be doing to kind of really leveraging opportunity zones and to actually spur market rate housing development. Yeah, uh, the former mayor and current mayor of Brockton have done a tremendous job of trying to keep that balance that I mentioned, attracting the new development that's long overdue. And to see all the cranes in the air in downtown Brockton, it's very, very exciting. Some of the things that we can do, again, is, uh, as I mentioned on small business level, is to create products for small business uh, that are affordable so that they can actually uh, afford to operate in a higher cost environment that is ultimately on the way in Brockton or is in some cases already there. Uh, and the city's also been a great partner in that by providing um, a new fund for uh, build out of commercial spaces in the downtown with equipment. We're also trying to bring in the private sector and the lenders to create a loan pool uh, that will also help with uh, small businesses in the area, providing them with, uh, with debt, but at a much, much lower rate than market debt or commercial debt that they would normally uh, take on as a small business. Um, the other thing is that making sure that the community is connected to the growth. Um, everybody is overwhelmed with growth pretty much across uh, you know, the major metro areas of the state. And some are very excited about it and others get nervous about it. And so communication is really important and making sure that our residents and the people that we're serving actually know what's going on and are not threatened by it and are actually part of the process of the renaissance, that the renaissance is for everyone, not just a few. Um, and the fears get out of control when communication breaks down. Um, the city has done a great job of that, including mass development and the TDI fellows. And a lot of the politicians in the area, there's a definitely a lively debate and good conversation in Brockton about these issues. Um, but I think ultimately, uh, it's heading definitely in the right direction. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Rob. Thanks again for listening to this bonus episode of Gateways. I'm Dr. Tracy Corley, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.